This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'm not, I'm not here to sell books, but this book, this book, the Lord had actually inspired my wife to put together, and uh, just out of a lot of notes that I had from 21 years ago and lots of her life's experiences, is really a book that uh, is life-changing. It's life-changing, as Pastor Dave said, 20, 20 years in the making. Well, you know, after God gave it to me, I thought things were going to happen real quick the first couple of years. Then I, I put it on the spiritual shelf and just gave it back to him. Then Mrs. Pastor resurrected because God told her to. But it's a short book, a good book, got lots of nuggets in it. And lots of things you've heard me preach for years are probably in this in one way or another, but things you've never heard me preach because I wasn't released to preach them. Or be coming out now this season we're in. But uh, what always precedes a major move of God. What always precedes a major move of God. And, you know, I, w- I want to say it again. What I said last week. America right now does not need better politicians. You know, like I heard somebody say before, that how, how, how well did that work out? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any difference what party they're in. It doesn't make any difference about the educators, how smart or not smart educators are. It doesn't make any difference how, how, how much anybody is of anything. There's a spiritual warfare going on. We're in the end times. Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, etc., etc. And, uh, first, first, uh, Peter 5.10 says, that Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, says that Satan is the deceiver. He's the accuser. He's the divider. He's the thief. And the only thing, the only thing that will work in a spiritual warfare is spiritual people with spiritual weapons. And because we're on the internet... I didn't say a thing about guns. I talk about prayer. I talk about the name of Jesus. I talk about the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, not a real sword. You know, I just think about the goofy times we live in. People that don't know what the Bible has to say don't realize what we're talking about. But then Jesus told us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that people are blinded. They're blinded by the devil. That don't know about eternal life yet. They're blinded. So we're talking about spiritual warfare just for the sake of clarity. How many in the congregation know I'm not saying go load up your guns? I'm not saying go get your slingshot like David did, even throw a rock at somebody. I'm talking about Christians that know how to use the name of Jesus. Christians that can say, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus from taking my family. I bind you in Jesus' name from destroying my country. I bind you in Jesus' name from taking over the education system of my state. That's what we're talking about, spiritual warfare. And so we as Christians have to know that in the end times, we as Christians are going to have to choose and it's a choice because he told us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. They said, therefore, choose. Choose life. We as Christians are going to have to choose. Are we going to be double agents? Or are we going to be serious soldiers for Jesus? You know what a double agent is? A double agent is that somebody comes to our meetings and participates with us. Then six days a week they go back out. I live just like everybody else does that hates God. Amen. Well, I think, I think about Romans chapter 8 even. Romans chapter 8 tells us that we can choose to live in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, or we can choose the law of sin and death. And then it tells us in verse 31 that if God be for us, who can be against us? And God's always for us, but then a question is, how much are we for God? You know, it's the choices we make in life. 
Where do we hang out at? Where do we hang out at? Who do we hang out with? What do we watch? What do we listen to? Do we listen to anti-God, anti-Christian things all the time and then come in and say, God, I need you to move. I need a miracle. Well, there was uh, some people in the Bible Jesus talked about. They said, Lord, we did all kinds of wonderful things in thy name. And Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. And so just because you pray, just because you quote verses, if you don't live it, then Jesus may say to you someday, when you need him most, who are you? I don't know you. Wow. This this is real stuff. And so anyway, back in the fall of 2000, actually back in August 2000, one day the Lord said to me, I want to be your prayer partner. Well, I was a pastor and I was, I was, I was a praying Christian. I was a praying pastor. But what God was saying, He said, I want you to get closer in that prayer closet. He said, I want to be able to use you to pray out my desires. Did you know you can pray from your head? Or you can pray under inspiration of the Holy Spirit in your heart? You know, you know, I remember years and years and years ago, there was, there's a couple people that was harassing me to no end. This is before I was a preacher, when I was first married to Mrs. Pastor. And I was on the midnight shift at the place I worked at. So I worked on a freight dock, and all night long, it didn't take a lot of brains to put boxes on a two-wheeler and move them, or load up a cart and take boxes from trailer to trailer. I mean, you read the label, put them on, you took them out and loaded them. So in between time, I'm just praying all the time. I was praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, which is praying in other tongues. And I said, Lord, what am I praying for? And he gave me these people's names. And those people didn't even like me. They caused me all kinds of trouble. I kept praying and praying and every night I said, what am I praying for? He said, pray for so-and-so. And finally one night, I'd only been married a few months to Mrs. Pastor. I said, well, I want to pray for my wife. He said, she's doing okay, but they're going to hell and you're the only one praying for them. I said, oh. So every night I prayed for my enemies. Why did I do that? Because I wasn't praying from my head. If I was praying from my head, I don't know what I might have prayed. It might have been pretty serious, bad praying, got me in trouble with God for praying it. My head was shut off and my heart was open. And so when the Lord told me, I want to be your prayer partner, that lasted for three or four months. I don't know exactly how long now. I'd have to go back and look at my journals. But the Lord met me every day, and every day, all day long, I had my journals open, filled up volumes of journals, and the Lord talked to me a lot of th- things about the times we live and the times where we are and wrote some things down. And then he began to talk to me about what always precedes the major move of God. And, you know, back in the year 2000, the Lord, the Lord really wanted to move big in America. But it seemed like the more that God talks to America, the more that America gives him the bird. Amen. And... How many do know anything about the Old Testament that Israel, because of turning on God, become captives in Egypt for 400 years? For 400 years, they were slaves, and it went from bad to worse. And then they cried out to God, and then God moved on Moses, one man. And God said, I want you to deliver my people. And so then Moses answered the call of God. And then all those, all those, uh, Hebrews that had been captive thought, wow, this man came from God. And he tells us God's got a plan to get us out of here as impossible it looks. And then God began to move in a mighty way. God told Moses, go talk to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go so they can worship me. So Moses obeyed God. And the more he talked to Pharaoh, the meaner Pharaoh got. And finally come one day that God said, okay, that's enough. I've taken your people out. He said, tell them to kill a lamb, put blood over the doorpost. And then you take your rod and you march them up to the Red Sea. And I'm going to part the Red Sea. And then all of Israel came out of Egypt free. And God told me, that's a major move when I deliver a whole nation. 
Matter of fact, when he was talking to me and teaching me those things, this is not my notes. This is just coming out fresh and <clears throat> the Holy Ghost breaking out things fresh behind me. The day he told me, time he told me a major move of God, I said, Sir, what do you consider a major move of God? He said, go to the book of Exodus. I thought, oh boy. He said, look up, look up the meaning of Exodus. So I looked up the meaning of Exodus and Bible things. You know what Exodus means? Big move. And God said, I considered a major move when I delivered an entire nation. And so I'm saying this. I don't know about you. I know about me. I've lived for Jesus for 41 years. Preached most of that time. I've seen impossibility after impossibility after impossibility after impossibility in people's lives, in business people's business lives, in cities and other places. And I've seen that when God says that's enough, I'm going to move, he moves. And when God moves, things change. And so, I don't know about you, I shut off the news last November. I got tired of all the all the stuff. I still keep up with what's going on. It just doesn't consume me. I know a lot of what's going on, but I found this out. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. And so for every spiritual law, there's an opposite law. That's the opposite of faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Fear cometh by hearing the word of the world. Who's the God of this world? So where does most of the information come from you see on the news? And he's, he's the father of fear. And so I, I determined last November, if I was going to be able to stand up in front of people, and be able to have any kind of joy at all to tell them what God's got to say, I had to start paying more attention to what he's saying than what other people are saying. Amen? And so I know where we are right now. Here's what I believe. I believe the Bible. How many of you believe the Bible? Amen. How many know that in the Bible, when God's people cry out, there comes a point in time when God answers? Well, I believe we're at that time that if the body of Christ will listen to the leaders that God raises up for them and then follow the Bible that the leaders teach to do what God says to do, that America... And, you know, this is an expression a lot of people say, but I believe it. America's best days are yet to come if, if God's people, which are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek his face. Then he says, we'll hear from heaven and he'll heal our land. That's Bible. Amen. Somebody shout. <clears throat> Amen. And so uh, the, the, the subtitle of our book is, Do You Recognize Your Position in Relevance to the Time? And, and as you turn to Matthew 24, we're going to look at verse 3 through 14. And by the way, if you're following our scripture plan that we do every month. That was this morning's readings. It was Matthew 24. So some of you saw this this morning. But do you recognize your position relevance to the times? That took place, that, that, that phrase came out at a prayer meeting we were leading back in, uh, well, it would have been 2000. We were having a prayer meeting and had a bunch of really serious prayers together that were just, now you lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Or twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are type prayers. They were prayers. We were together and we didn't have any cell phones to shut off because they didn't have them yet. Didn't have, didn't have distractions. We were people that were seeking God. Just Lord, is there anything you need somebody to pray about today? We're here for you. Is there anybody you need prayed for? Lord, is there anything you need us to bind? Anything you need us to loose? Jesus, we're just here to worship you and do your will. Lord, what do you want us to pray about today? And the Lord just spoke that just as clear as a bell. He said, do you recognize your position in relevance to the times? And that's a whole other book right there in that. But the whole bottom line is, and you know, I, I don't really think a lot of Christians really understand that if Jesus told us he knows the number of every hair on your head, and that same verse, he said, 
said, your father knows every time a sparrow falls to the ground, are you not much more valuable than many sparrows? In Psalms 37, 23, some of these verses, I quote a lot of verses, but you ought to write some down sometimes. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. And I think about Jeremiah 29, 11, which a lot of you know that God says, I've got a good plan for your life. Well, if he's got a plan, he orders the steps. That means there's a position or a place that God wants every believer to be. And you know, something that uh, the Lord had me minister to a young couple called to the ministry years and years ago, that they, they were starting to get a, a hold on. They were trying to live in one place, and the Lord wasn't moving to another place. But because they were wanting to follow after uh, family and flesh and things like that, they finally went out of business and said, Do you mean that God actually has a geographical place for us to live? I said, Duh. I, I think about Nadine years ago tried to go one place and God said, no, get back up there, get back up there, get back up there. Finally found out the blessings up here, wasn't it? Amen. And so, you know, I just need, I need to let you know as we're looking at things we're looking at, God has a place for you to live and that actually God hasn't even fine pointed down, more, 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 more fine tuned to that. He has a neighborhood for you to live in. You're called to a particular area. You're called to places. And then I think about the, the prophet Elijah, when there was bad things going on, a famine of the land in First Kings 17, God said, go down by the brook Zarephath and live there. He said, when you live there, he said, I'm going to have the ravens bring you food, and it won't be ours. <laughs> That's a private joke now. But anyway, so, so, so this man of God went to a place God told him to go to. He lived by a river, and there's a famine. Well, the water kept flowing for him. He had water and he had food to eat because it's the right place. If he would have said, I'm not going to live by some dirty old river. And the blessings dried up and nothing happened. He couldn't blame God. And so this is a word for some of you. God has a place for you to live. God has a church for you to go to. God has a job for you to work or profession or career. God has places and things. And the more... We're going to look at the Word of God, how to do what I'm going to talk about today. The more that you let Jesus guide you in your heart what to do, the more the blessings will flow in your life. Amen. And so do you recognize your position? If you don't recognize your position yet, and you're still going around like this, I know God's got something for me to do. Man, if you've been, mar- if you've been, if you've been born again longer than two or three years, and you don't know yet what God wants you to do. You haven't been walking very close to God. And you know, I can say that with authority. Jesus tells us that when we stand before him, the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to judge you for what you did. And what kind of a judge would he be if you were totally ignorant and didn't know what to do? He said, my sheep hear my voice. He said they flee from the stranger, but they follow the good shepherd. And so if you're not walking close to the good shepherd, then that's why you're off in Dua land. You go, Dua, I don't know, God's probably got something to do. I know, I know, I'm sure he does. Well, the Bible tells you multiple times he has a plan for you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, says Isaiah 55. But anyway, Matthew 24, I want to look at this here. And I want to say this. That 21 years ago, which is a, a nothing time compared to eternity, that'd be, that's just, that's just really, really, even in earth time, 21 years isn't that long ago. The Lord showed me things for the days we live in. But Jesus here, as I go to read this, I'm going to be reading verse 3 to 14. I wrote, I wrote this down because I never saw it till Jesus told this to me actually, actually, uh, day before yesterday. He said that He, in Matthew 24, listened to this. He said, he gave us the headlines of the times we live in and all the CNNs and all the papers and internet stuff like that. They fill in all the fine print. They tell you all the gory details. Jesus already gave us the headlines. Now, if we look through these verses, this could be the headlines. Everything in these verses are the headlines every day on the news. If you want to know the 
the fine points of what's going on, just turn on your TV set, look at the internet, and you're going to see all the murders, the hatred, the racial wars, the strifes, all the rumors, all the accusations, all the families that hate each other, all the people that hate each other. That's, that's the fine print. And so I choose to look at Jesus' headlines and let, let the fear mongers and the haters feed on the fine print. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to privately say, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world or the end of the age? And so the, t- the time period we're living in now in Bible time, we're called the church age. We're called the Holy Spirit age, the age of the Spirit. We're called the age of grace. We're the church age. There's a time when this changes, and there's a next time period coming going to be called the Great Tribulation. And then you're going to have Jesus coming back and rapture the church is coming at this point in time here in the church age. That is the church age. But anyway, the time we live in, they said, what's going to be the sign of your coming? What are we going to see? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed. That no man deceive you. The word of God won't deceive you. The spirit of God won't deceive you. And you know, I learned off my spiritual fathers as a young Christian, and I've always adhered to it. No matter who it is doing the preaching, myself or anybody else, when we tell you the Bible says to teach you the Bible, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You read your Bible at home too. You look up verses yourself. You listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And if some man or some woman has twisted the scriptures deceiving you, you're going to know it in your heart. But sometimes, because we've been religiously brainwashed a lot of people and thought, well, I've always heard it that way. Well, when you get in your prayer closet, Jesus said, go to your prayer closet and pray to your Father in secret. You get in your prayer closet and shut off your head and you say, Father, I love you. I love Jesus. And I've heard these other people all these years say this, but now all of a sudden, my pastor or this preacher or whoever it is, this book you read that teaches the Bible is saying this, and I see this verse, this verse, this verse says this, Lord. Have I been taught wrong? Is this what it's supposed to be? And so he said, take heed that no man deceive you. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God will never deceive you. And so Jesus said, take heed. That's a headline then. There's a lot of deception out there right now in religious circles as well as everywhere else. But we can take heed. Many shall come my name saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive a couple people. Amen. Can I tell you something that I've seen as I look at this the last few years? I've seen a lot of fake revivals and things going on in America the last few years. I remember big ones since I came to this church. Matter of fact, had people used to go to this church. They got caught up into it. Some of them flew to where this thing was going on at. This guy had tens of thousands of people following him. And so, to humor the people that were in the church, went home one Sunday, got on my computer, was just online stuff, because I said, okay, I'll, I'll go see what's going on. This is something, guys, I want to see it. I watched about two minutes of Mrs. Pastor and I, and we about vomited. We could tell it was the wrong spirit, the wrong things. And so I tried it one more time. Well, within about six months, turned out that that guy on there, in between the times he's on the camera with the tens of thousands of deceived Christians, when he's off the camera, he was doing homosexual things. He was getting high, alcohol, and everything else. And when that thing crashed, great was the fall. And a lot of people crashed with him. People went to churches like this here. You know why? Jesus gave us a headline already, said many are going to be deceived. And so I purpose, I'm not going to be one of the deceived ones. I'm going to stay close to people that I know have the fruit of Christ. Spiritual leaders that have the fruit of Jesus Christ. And Christians, Christians that are hungry for God's word. Christians that walk in love, don't get caught up in the latest political strifes and all the things going on. I'm going to stay with Christians that love their Bible. He said, and you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. 
Uh, see that you be not troubled. Is that the headlines? You know, I, I, I saw yesterday a little bit of news I watched. I saw yesterday North Korea's back in the picture. Iran's back in the picture. There's so many things going on right now. If you, I mean, you know, that what he ends up saying that men's hearts will fail for fear. No doubt if you watch that all the time. All I need to do, I'm a headline reader. I said, wow, wars, rules of wars. 2,000 years ago, my Savior told me that. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. That's not the end of the church age. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And you know, I saw something this morning and never saw about that. I got a note in my Bible that the original talk, that nation against nation, says race or tribe, people groups, people groups fighting each other, race or tribe. Has anybody ever heard of any nation in the world right now having racial wars? I don't have to watch the news to see about that. Jesus told me 2,000 years ago the devils are going to stir up race wars. And then I saw something else this morning, too, about this tribal thing. Well, when you think of tribes, I know I've been to a few nations. You think about Africa, they've got different tribes in Africa. I got different tribes in South America, different tribes in Central America. Well, I realized in America, I've seen a lot of tribes in America. We got the conservative tribe. We got the liberal tribe. We've got the Bible Belt tribe where we came from in the Midwest. We got the New England tribe. We got the Southerners. We got the Westerners out here on the West Coast. There's tribes of people all across America, except we don't call them that. They're groups of people that have their own culture. I believe one way. I'll guarantee you, when I came from the Bible Belt to California, I'm a Californian now, so I can talk about California because I am one now. I had severe culture shock, shock from the Bible Belt to California. But you know what? America now is like California. All the way across America, we have the same type of thing now. But Jesus told us the tribes were going to fight each other. The races were going to fight each other. And so that's, 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 that's the headlines Jesus told us about. And then he says, the kingdom against kingdom. That's governments and rulers fighting each other. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. Is that all headline news or what? Jesus told us. All these are the end of trouble. He said, this is the beginning. Of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now look at this. As shall kill you, as shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Well, who's his namesake? We're his namesake. We're Christians. We're Jesus Christ's namesake. We're Christians. And he was talking to the Jews. And so he said, 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 people are going to hate you because you're a Christian. People are going to hate you because you're a Jew. And then Jesus told us, and Paul told us in the, in the epistles, that, that because of how we live, how we talk, and what we believe about morality, causes people to feel guilty in their sin. They hate us because we won't condone what they believe about marriage. Because we don't condone what they want to teach our kids in school. Because we don't condone how they, the laws they want to make and what they want to do. They hate us for that reason because we are light and they walk in darkness and our light blinds the darkness. And so they hate us for that. And you know, uh, I, I just, 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 just an observation. The only unprotected groups in America right now are Christians and Jews. But that's not, that's, that's not new news. Jesus gave us the headline 2,000 years ago. And they said, what's the sign of your return, Jesus? He said, everybody's going to hate you because of me. And so, you know, I think about myself, what I've learned years ago, and what I've had to tell Christians many times come to me for prayer. Pastor, I don't understand it. On my job, all of a sudden, my best friend has turned on me. We've worked together all these years, and all of a sudden they act like they hate me. Well, the conviction finally got so strong, they couldn't handle your light anymore. And like Pastor Dave said the other day, 
Concerning Paul, he's talking about Paul. Paul, Paul was persecuted everywhere he went because of what he believed and what he preached. If you're not getting some persecution somewhere, maybe you're a double agent. Amen. Somebody, some, if you're living a Christian life, somebody somewhere is not going to like what you're saying or what you're doing. So anyway, it says, and then shall many be offended. Oh boy. Woke. <laughs> Woke. Woke. I'm not going down that road very far. But is there anything in America that's always been right with God and right with other people? It's not a setup. And right living for any normal person that now isn't considered to be wrong. There's the headline. You know, I think about, I was at Dr. Barclay's conference a couple of weeks ago, and he said something that I, I say the same thing. I think he might have said it better than I say it. You know, Jesus told us these things are going to be going on in society, and there's a lot of things that we won't be able to change. But what we can change and control is what goes on in my house, what goes on in my church. And we as believers should be able, to a certain degree, to control what goes on in our city. Dr. Barclay, you know, I talk about Dr. Barclay a lot. He's my spiritual father. He's what influences me. He said years ago, and I didn't understand it to the degree I do now, he said the two most important political offices in the nation that a Christian should watch and know and know who they're voting for is this. Now listen. Listen to me real close, because we're seeing this right now in California. He said the two most important positions at voting time you should know about is your county supervisor who's running and school board members. You get a chance today, go Google and check on California's education laws are just passing right now and what they're doing. We saw, we saw a man at a conference recently that, uh, he's a pastor from a city down in Texas, says he's got a pretty good sized church, and they decided for their area that things were going off the school board that they was going to reverse it. And so he educated his congregation how to run for political office. And so between his church and other churches that got on board with him, they elected Christian conservative school board members, the majority on their school board. And so there were things that that school board was passing and things they'd done the previous administration that was totally, totally, totally going to take their kids in the wrong direction. They got the Christians on there. And in spite of the school board president being anti-Christian, anti-everything we believe, they had enough of the majority on that school board, they changed everything. You know what that tells me? See, the, the devil, everybody uh, talks about how dumb he is and stuff like that. He is, I mean, he's, but he's a long-term planner. Do you know that the politicians we have today were influenced by liberal schools of yesterday? And those liberal teachers and professors from yesterday were educated by liberal people before them? Because they're thinking, well, we may not be able to get this thing this generation, but if we raise up a generation of anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-moral people, then they'll be the judges of tomorrow. They'll be the legislators. They'll be the teachers. And if they teach all the kids, give us two or three generations and we can destroy this nation. And... You know, I want to say it again. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. We as Christians have to wake up and find out what God wants us to do. What's your position? Are you a school board member? By that, I'm not saying you are now. Are you called to that? Are you called with the education you got to go into politics? Are you called to go into the judicial? 
What are you called to do? Where does God want you at? You know, I think about, what was that lady's name in the Bible that was, what in there, who? Well, that, that, that was the chance, the, the guy got hung in the gallows. Ezra, just think about that. Esther had her bury the king, and then when it came down, the nation was good, the Jews were all going to be killed. She is in position. She recognized her position. She went into the king and saved the whole nation. Because she's in position. All it takes is one man or one woman in the right position in government can change everything. Anyway, the offenses, people betrayed each other. Many false prophets shall rise to see many. And because iniquity, lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And so let's talk about Christians backsliding. You know, uh, the world doesn't have the agape love of God in their hearts, only Christians. And so because of offense, because of a betrayal, because of sin, says many Christians backslide. But then verse 13 and 14, this is what we as believers need to focus on. And this is where we're really going to head to today to finish up what we got. He said, but he, not the backslider, not the quitter, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Saved. How many here are saved now? How many want to stay saved forever? Well, you notice right before this, he said these people backslid. Said their love grew cold. And I was, I was you know, I, oh, some things I have to say because it's for real. <clears throat> it doesn't make any difference what political party you belong to, what color you are, if you hate anybody because of their color, if you hate anybody because of their politics, Guess what? Your love has grown cold. There's a whole lot of people do a lot of things that Jesus told us in Revelation chapter, chapter, chapter two and chapter three. He said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I hate the deeds of such and such. He didn't say he hated them. He hate the deeds. I hate the deeds right now of a lot of politicians. I hate the deeds a lot of people that are destroying our cities. I hate the deeds of a lot of things, but I've got the love of God in my heart. God's the love of the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I love the people of this world. I hate the deeds of a lot of them, but I love them. And He says right here, the love of many shall wax cold. Don't you hate anybody because of what they're doing. Don't you hate anybody because of how they're voting. Don't you hate anybody because of what color they are. But endure until the end. You know what that means? A Christian's number one job to be in position is stay saved. And so if you're going to recognize your position for the end times, the time before Jesus comes back, stay saved. Don't quit. Endure to the end. You know, I think about some of the people's persecuted me over the years. I've, I've had some of, the, some of the devil's best agents bird dog me for years. I knew heaven's real. I know Jesus is real. I know the Bible's true. So why am I going to get offended because somebody doesn't like me, lies about me, tries to destroy me and my family, why am I going to get offended and not endure because of that? I got a job to do. I tell you, I don't know about me, about you, I know about me. The harder they hit, the more I pray. And the more I pray, the more I say the right things. Amen. And so he says, he that endured till the end, the same shall be saved. And then he says, number two thing. And this gospel of the kingdom, Pastor Dave quoted this, shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. And so, these two things are keys to being in position in the end time. And now live in. Stay saved. Don't backslide. Don't quit. Don't be a double agent. And you know, I think about, I think about good times and bad times. 
Jesus Christ is the same through your good times. He's the same through your bad times. Jesus doesn't change, but you do. When you go through rough stuff, you can get better or you can get bitter. I choose to get better. You know, you know, you know, one of the biggest ways I developed my prayer life and I learned the Bible is this. And you know, I don't know if you live this way, but I do because I'm convinced the Bible's true. I'm convinced that when I pray the Word of God, my Father listens. And so when I went through tough times, no matter what area, financial times, family times, ministry times, healing times, whatever it was, I stood on the Word of God, and after a reasonable amount of time, if my answer didn't show up, you know what I did? I found some more Bible. I studied more Bible. I talked more Bible. I thanked God for these verses. And if I didn't get my answer yet, you know what I did? I found more verses. I learned more. I quoted more. I prayed more. If I didn't get my answer, you know what I did? I found more verses. I found more verses. I found more verses. Amen. You know, you know what the Bible says? Get out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let everything be established. Out of the multitude of counselors from the Word of God. And so I'm telling you this. Don't quit. If it looks like bad things going on, if it looks like nobody nobody likes you, who cares? Jesus loves you. If it looks like everybody's against you, even fellow church members, if God be for me, what difference does it make who's against me? Amen. You know, I'm preaching something really good for you. I, I know that uh, somebody told me a few weeks ago, said, Pastor, I'm feeling called that God's got a ministry for me. Said, could you give me advice? And what I said, I said this. I said, yeah, stay saved. She said, well, I know that. And I said, I'm not joking. I know you know that. But I've been around a while. I've watched people with a call. As soon as you open your mouth and you say out of your mouth, I've got a call of God, those little demons that are around, Talk to headquarters. They say, hey, time to get some bigger boys in here. This woman, this man is wanting to step out of their seat and start to influence more people. They're saying that Jesus wants to use them in the ministry. If we can kill them now in the babyhood stage of ministry, it's a lot easier than later. How many know it's easier? I found this out in the desert. And I'm taking care of my place right now. It's easier to get the little tumbleweeds that big. To get those great big bushes everywhere. And I, I learned something off of, off, off of Joe a couple of years ago that, uh, first time I ever saw it. Now I learned it off Dennis Copey. They walk around all the time kicking these little things like that. I never saw anybody. I thought, man, what's he doing that for? Walking around my place kicking things out of the ground. I got my place pretty much uprooted last year, but you know what? It's a lot easier to give a little kick get those roots out that have the great big giant thing trying to destroy everything. And so the devil looks at you. He would rather take you out before you get any roots in this than try to take you down later. How many know it would be really tough to take out a Kenneth Copeland or a Dr. Barclay or a Pastor Samples? He threw some good shots at me about three years ago. It didn't work. We passed financial tests over the years. We passed family tests. We've passed church hits. We've passed health tests. And so you, as a Christian, have to know that if you feel God has something for you to do, and He really does, but once you open your mouth, begin to let it be known in the spirit realm that I'm going to be stepping out and doing this when the big guns come in. Don't quit. Stay saved. And we're going to look at how to do that. Because that's how you're going to recognize your position. So the number two thing says the gospel has got to be preached. And so I want to say this. Number two, be a gospel facilitator. Facilitate things. What's that mean? Build your life around things that promote Jesus as Lord. Build your life around things that promote Jesus as Lord. 
You know, I, I was thinking about something Mrs. Pastor said the other day. Uh, I was thinking about my pastor that went to heaven years ago. His first ministry before he became a pastor was this. What was that called? Team, Je- Team Jesus. He was, he was a motorcycle racer. Did this, I don't even know what they call them. They do race these wild motorcycles around. Wait a minute, is that what Heidi does? Is that, you're the, you're the four-wheeler things. Motor- yeah, yeah, he was a motorcycle racer. He got hurt real bad one time doing that. But he had a great big trailer like you guys have got. And on the side of it said Team Jesus. And so he liked racing, called to the ministry for he's a pastor. He become, he become the clergy, the chaplain at these races. And so he got to do what he's enjoyed doing. He got to race, but he built it around Jesus. Amen. And so what I've said is this, the number two thing, the number two things I said in the verses Jesus told us, he's given us, he's given us end time headlines, told us all the bad things. He said, number one, endure. He said, number two, he said, if you already know the headlines this, where the gospel's preached to every nation, then it's over. As that tells me that whatever it is in life you're doing, you need to have it centered around Jesus and the gospel. I think about Dave. Dave, Dave's done so much with those farmers, the things he does. He preaches the gospel everywhere he goes. And sometimes he even uses words. You know why? Because our life is an open book. How we live. And you know, some people, some people are more bold than other people. Some people are quiet. But if you're going to have the big mouth, going to be the big boldness, you better not be cussing tomorrow then. You better not be posting the bad stuff on Facebook tomorrow. If you're going to preach today, you better be preaching every day. Amen. I'll tell you, that's one reason I don't, I don't think bumper stickers are as, uh, popular now as they used to be. I remember back in Indiana, man, I hated it when somebody had 15, I, I love Jesus, home if you love Jesus, the back end, and they'd pass me doing 95 miles an hour and give me the bird. I've never ever done that to anybody since I've been a Christian, but I have been known to go over the speed limit some. That's why I never, ever, ever, ever put a bumper sticker on my car. I thought there's no way, there's no way I'm going to have a great big red, white, blue Jesus loves you on the back of my car I pass somebody going like that. If I pass them going like that, they're going to think I'm a heathen. But <laughs> No, what I'm saying is this, that your Christianity does not mean your mouth is open every minute talk, talking gospel. That means your mouth's open, you're going to be talking bad stuff. But at the same time, a lot of, a lot of Christians out there have done so much damage by being double agents that they've done damage to the cause. But a lot of other Christians that live it every day, when people see them and know they're a Christian, then they say things like, wow, if I'm ever going to be a Christian, I want to be like Joe. If I'm ever going to be a Christian, I want to be like Mike. They might not do a lot of talking about things on the job, but they're living it and people seeing it, and they're knowing that's what a Christian is. They're going through a hard time right now, and they've got peace. They're not messed up. They're going through a hard time on the job. Everybody knows the boss is trying to take advantage of them, but they're not cussing. Amen. And, and, and so we have to know that Jesus said there's two things that Christians need to do while all these things are going around. Number one, stay saved. Number two, work your life around the gospel. No matter what your position is in life. And you know, I think about, I think about President Reagan. President Reagan became a born again Christian. And at his acceptance speech at the political convention, never forget what he said. He got up there and he wasn't just spouting religion trying to please somebody. He had heart convictions of who God was. He got up there and as he accepted, he said, I'm going to do something right now because he didn't know where a lot of people stood about what they thought about things. He said, I'm going to do something right now. He said, I'm afraid to do. But he said, I'm more afraid not to. Would you bow your heads? And he prayed for the whole world to hear. But he said, I'm more afraid not to. He had a position of influence. And in that position of influence, he helped change some things because he wasn't afraid 
talk about God, but that wasn't what he did every day, all day long, but he had a position. What about your position of influence where you are right now? You're in a position, and you may not be preaching every day, but people are listening, aren't they? They're watching what you do. And so I, 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 want, to, I, want, to, I want to teach you how to recognize your position now uh, in the time you live in, how, how to function where Jesus placed you. I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read out of the Living Bible. And because of that, it would probably be hard for you to follow along. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And i got a specific, a specific point I'm heading to here that you need to see. And so, Paul said this, Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, and, and the Bible teaches that people from heaven get to look down and see what we're doing sometimes. It says they're watching us. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us up, holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that is set before us. And what Paul was talking to these people about from Rome, the, the, the Olympics started over there. And they were big at Olympics. And so he was talking about the people of the races. Those people stripped down to practically nothing, just a pair of shorts to run their race in. And so he said, take everything off that would slow you up in running. Can you imagine? I mean, everybody today likes to do these little, I don't even know what they call them, because I don't do little old dumbbell things or whatever. You call them dumbbells. Maybe that's a woke thing, not other smart bells. I don't know. But anyway, uh, little weights and stuff like that. I, you know, I think about some of you joggers. I think that uh, Nadine, I know she still does it. I know Heidi and Nadine, a bunch of them, they used to go doing their jogging and running. Well, Heidi, if you're in a race, that's the wrong time to have your little weights on. And put your little weights around your ankles and your elbows and everything like that. And get out there trying to run somebody to win. He said, take those things off now. You're not working out. You're racing. As so he says, in our spiritual race, things that are slowing you down, quit doing them. Amen. I think about back in Indiana, my first head usher. He came there as a sinner, and I led him to Jesus, got him saved, got him filled with the Spirit. We lived 15 minutes from Indiana University, our church was. And he told me his first year with me, he said, Pastor, he said, I love the church. I love my new life. I love what God's done here, but I want to tell you what. When IU basketball season comes on, you won't see me till springtime. I said, okay. You know what? He never went to another ball game again. He fell in love with Jesus, what Jesus was doing, and all of a sudden, he wasn't an IU fan anymore. He was a Jesus fan. He realized that when I wasn't running my race, what was his race? God had him in Robert's position. Back in Indiana, he was the head usher. He set the schedule for the other ushers. He was over offerings. He was over seating. Everything we did, that was his position in God's family. He was the usher. Well, if he was gone for four or five months out of the year watching basketball games, he wasn't in position. And, you know, I'm talking about what Paul said. And then he said, Run, he said, run with faith. How exactly did you read this? Did he word this? Let's see. Run with patience the particular race that is set before us. That's how about your position. God has a very specific, custom-made plan for you. And the Lord told me to tell you this. I brought my little notes. I don't tell you all the little notes right between time. So I'm going to, I'm going to say what he told me to tell you at this point in the sermon. Because of all the negative around, all the ugly stuff around, all the bad news around, he said, tell them, get excited now, because God has a particular thing for you to do. So now's the time to get excited. Amen. Think think about this. Alex, preaching to you. Think about this. With all the things going on right now, God knows who you are. He knows what he's called you to do. He knows where you're sitting at. And, you know, uh, 
You don't have as many as I had kid-wise. I had eight. Some were mine. Some were hers. Then we had ours and we had them all together. But I had eight. And so God knew all the kids I had. He knew the money it took. He knew the time it took, etc., etc. Yet, He still showed me how to find a way to follow the ministry He had for me. And so with all the family things going on, you ought to be very excited that God's chosen a particular thing for you. You know what it is, too. Amen. It might be time to get serious. <laughs> Excuse me, that was just a private Holy Ghost session with one of my sons. I've helped raise since he's about this big. Love that boy. Man. Beautiful man. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, well, Chuck, that goes, goes for everybody. You know, I think about this. There's nothing but doom and gloom out there. And I am excited. Jesus knows my name. Jesus knows all about me, and Jesus has a plan for my life. I found out what it was. Number one, I had to start off as a believer, as a baby Christian. I had to desire the sincere milk of God's Word. I had to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I had to submit to my pastor. I had to do what he gave me to do. I grew. And there's a couple point in time, I got to start walking out the plan God had and starting to preach and starting to be a Bible teacher. I had to be faithful where I was to get to where I am. And so, I want to say that again. With all the things that the devil will show you, you can be depressed about right now. You can be depressed about money if you want to. You can be depressed about all the restrictions in the world right now if you want to. You can be depressed about politics, you can be depressed about family, you can be depressed about your job if you want to. I choose to be excited because I know that Jesus knows me and Jesus has a particular plan for me. He said for me to run my race with patience. I can't run Chuck's race. Me and Chuck's two totally different people the way we're wired. We're wired totally different, but we've got one heart. Chuck and I have one goal together. Talk about Chuck's family too, Heidi. We have one goal together. We want to get the gospel out to as many people as we can. We'll preach it. We'll teach it. We'll take it out to the highways and byways. We'll shout it. And I'm looking, I'm looking at every face in here. We are all wired different. But we've got one thing in common. We love Jesus. We want to do everything that we can do to get this gospel out. The disciple people get people to heaven. Amen. And so he said, run the particular race. Why well, think about Dave? Man, Dave's been a real blessing to me for a lot of years. Man, we've been in Nicaragua together. Real blessed to me for a lot of years. Me and David are wired different. We've got one thing in common. We know that God has put us together in position here to reach his family. And the families around here with the gospel. And then to make disciples out of them. Amen. And so, that's exciting. And then verse 2 in the Amplified Bible, you run your race, but looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, the leader and the source of our faith. And so, what I, what I see in this, and this, this is something here I think will make it real to you. I love the way Jesus always told things in parables. Did you ever hear the parable of the baseball player? It's not in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit gave Jesus parables. He gave me a parable about staying in position. You know, he said, you run your race, that means you stay in your lane. You stay in your lane if you want to win the race, you've got to run lawful. And so stay in position and look into Jesus, the source of our faith. Okay, well, what? how many know my son Joe? The big, brave United States Marine. Well, he wasn't always the big, brave United States Marine. One time, Joe was five years old. He started a baby like everybody else. And Joe was always Joe, though. We, I always got my kids in Little League Baseball. I remember first got in Little League Baseball. Joe was really bad. He, 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 he come out of the womb, man, playing ball and athletic. First baseball game, they put him in right field. Why do my kids always get right field? Why can't they ever get center or left field? Oh, well. 
Anyway, Joe's in right field. Got the game going on. And somebody hit a ball to right field. And Joe is sitting with, with his backside to the field, playing with flowers and dirt right there. And the, I said, Joe, Joe, Joe. He's playing with the flowers and the dirt. And the coach tried to talk to him. And after that first game, <clears throat> I said, Joe, I said, you got to listen to your coach. I know more than he does. <laughs> I said, you know more than he does. Well, Joe didn't stay there. What Joe did, by the time we got to California, we got the church league. I'm, ta- I'm talking about position right now, staying in position. And so we get to California <clears throat> in our church league. We end up some pretty good softball teams. And so Joe then wanted to learn how to be a position player and a team player. And so he started studying videos off of YouTube. He started studying all the good outfielders. He studied shortstop position, all, all the different ones. He studied all that stuff there. <clears throat> and he learned how to position himself. And so if he was playing, playing left field, he learned how to watch the batters, how they stood, what they was going to do, and where they was most likely to hit at. So he could get over there and catch it and do his position well. He learned how to, if a ball was coming to third base, and I hope some of you know about ball stuff while I'm talking, maybe I don't want to be over your head, but he learned <coughs> if a ball <coughs> excuse me, came to third base, he got behind the third base and to back him up in case he missed it. If one was coming to second base, he learned how to shift position in case there was an overthrow to help cover his position. Well, in other words, Joe studied to excel at position playing. He learned other positions in case something happened where they needed a second base, but he knew things about second base. He studied to learn those things. And then I'm thinking also about Christian Winston. Where's Donna at? There's Donna. Well, her son now is college going to pro baseball, and I've known he's another one of my sons that he was about this tall. You can't see me. About two foot tall when I met him. Now he's about two foot taller than me. And he's a pitcher. He's a big league pitcher. But he knows his position. His dad worked with him from the time he was young. I've known him for 15 years now, 16 years now. His dad's always worked with him, trained him for that position. Christian is a team player. He doesn't try to play shortstop. He doesn't try to play outfield. He's a pitcher. He excels at what he's doing. So we as Christians, what I see in this, if you recognize your position, and how are you going to recognize your position in the body of Christ today? Number one, stay saved. You walk with the devil, you won't know God's ways. You walk with Jesus, you'll hear the voice of the good shepherd. You'll know in your heart what your position is. Stay saved and make sure your life revolves around the preaching of the gospel. And so when you're in position, I'll tell you what, I saw Joe out there in the outfit for our church softball team. Robert, he got pretty good out there, didn't he? Joe, Joe would play in sometimes closer to the infield, sometimes out, depending on who was batting. Play some of those big bruisers out there, man, the ones that would try to hit a home run every time. Joe robbed them time and time and time again. He saw the big hitters coming out there. The players on those church teams that wasn't serious, they hit it over the head every time. Joe would be out there at the fence and he'd catch it at the fence like that because he knew what they were going to do. We as Christians, if we position ourselves by staying saved, being prayers, coming to church, do what God wants us to do, we will know in advance what the devil's going to try to do and we'll rob him. We'll catch it. We'll catch him before he hits. We'll head off the attacks. If we as Christians will listen to the coach, and how many know who the coach is? Jesus, the Holy Spirit. What's, what, what's the manual? The Bible. We'll learn better and better and better by practice and by being in the game how to position ourselves better and better and better and better. And in a church service, we'll begin to see the gifts of the Spirit operate more. See things happening because everybody's in position. Amen? And so, 
I just want to say this again. The Lord gave me this word 21 years ago. Do you recognize your position in relevance to the times? If you do, get serious. Get serious. Dr. Barclay, the first day of our conference last week, made this statement. He said, do you know that Jesus, he said, he said everything's happened. Jesus could come while we're having this convention this week. I'll tell you what, that about sucked the breath out of me because I, I, I respect him as a prophet of God. I thought, oh, that could happen. Well, if we thought that was going to happen, it could happen. What are we waiting on? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.